Hey everybody, this is Sam with West Virginia Overtime, and I hope that all of you enjoyed uh, what I consider the rebirth of this podcast as far as taking it into a different direction and adding more to it. I hope uh, those of you who wrote me and said, hey, I enjoyed your podcast on what our school scholars meant, I actually am going to use that because I remember my coach actually saying that when I played, and we kind of made fun of it when I was a player, but he wrote and said, you know what, I remember it. I remember that being a big deal and us having pride in that. And I think that's the reason why a lot of coaches don't delve into certain things is because they're afraid their players or the players' parents or the it'll get out in the community and they'll get made fun of. When in reality, maybe it is something that someone needs to hear to latch on to, to make them feel more comfortable to get their needs met, which is where I'm going with the podcast tonight. I know several of you probably looked at the title of this podcast and had flashbacks to either high school or college and banging your head against the wall because this was taught I know our high school taught it. I remember Dr. Culberson, who was one of my uh, favorite high school teachers, actually sat down and and taught it to us. And he taught us in a simplistic way that I guess I latched onto and kind of remembered and thought, well, this makes so much sense. This is common sense that it's not that big of a deal. Then when I went to college and went into my educational classes, of course, they they did this. They also do it in uh, science classes and stuff. Um, I thought, why are they making this so hard? And then as I was in college and was starting my coaching career, I was around a lot of different coaches that – hit Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but necessarily didn't know it. They were just doing it. And when I look back on that, that's because sitting in Dr. Coberson's high school class, it was common sense. Um, But I think a lot of coaches have gotten away from it. They don't think about it. Um, They think... I've got two hours of practice that is allotted to me in this gym for the game of basketball, and that is it. Or they say, you know, my athletic director only wants us to practice on track and field for an hour and a half. Or I can only have 
my baseball field for two and a half or three hours because they have rented it out for, you know, the minor leagues to come in. Or, you know, I hear all the time I don't get enough gym time because, you know, we've only got one gym and girls and boys basketball and then you have wrestling and you have cheerleaders and then you have the the midget leagues wanting in there and and you just hear all this stuff about time. But then I sit down and think, well, that's time you're focused on your sport, right? What about actual coaching? I guess I was so lucky that the teams that I coached, the parents of the players that I coached, and the coaches that I coached with, we weren't real time-oriented. Um, it was nothing for the players of my parents to know we finish when we finish. And I mean that. We we finish when we finish. And by, you know, when I was first starting, yes, some kids had cell phones. A lot of them just went in the coach's office, called their parents, and said, hey, we're done. And, you know, their parents came and picked them up. It wasn't, oh, I have to be done exactly at 7 o'clock. And if I'm not, then at 7.01, all the parents' horns are all of a sudden going to be beeping. And I think that's not how things should be ran. I know that there were many times that, say on a Saturday morning, I wasn't going to be able to get on the court until noon. Because uh, maybe Midget League was practicing before us. And I knew that I had the basketball court from 12 to 2. But that didn't stop me from bringing my players in at 11 or 11.30. Or it didn't stop me from keeping them till 3. I didn't have any rules. My athletic directors weren't stringent on two hours of practice. They were stringent on me being on the court two hours. And so I think that's what I want to talk about. So many of us assume that kids' needs are being met by others that we get to jump up Maslow's hierarchy. And if this is a new concept, if you're a player listening to this or you're a parent listening to this and you don't know what Maslow's hierarchy of needs is, Abraham Maslow came up with five stages of needs that every person has. And he said, until one level 
is met, you can't jump to the next level. And then when that is met, then you get to jump to the next level. So I really just want to talk about the first three levels. Because I rarely see coaches jump above level three. Actually, sometimes some coaches will jump to level four. But I mostly see coaches wanting to be at level three. Period. I bet if I went to some of your all's practices, I would see you looking at level three all the time, preaching level three all the time. I was around different teams last year, and they were preaching level three all the time. Here's the thing. I think you got to take a step back and assess every one of your players because your players are not going to be at the same level. Plus, even if they are, they're going to be at different parts of that level. So let me actually explain the levels, and it'll start making sense. The very bottom level is called psychological need, or physiological need, sorry. And it's very basic, and it's so basic that we forget about it. We forget to assess this. It's, does our kids have air, water, food, shelter, clothing, sleep? And most coaches, most parents say, well, yeah. Most teachers say, yeah. Well, if you know me, you know I worked 13 years in the Child Protective Service um, business as far as being an investigator, a forensic interviewer, and then as a trainer all throughout the state. This is something we never took for granted as Child Protective Service workers. And guess what? When I went into homes, I went into some athletes' homes. So some of your athletes are on level one. You know, they don't have water, or they're bringing in water from other sources. But if you don't talk to them, how do you know that? There are some kids where we've been dealing with this pandemic that schools have been delivering them, you know, meals. Do you know if any of your athletes have been the ones being delivered meals? Do you know if they have food? It's winter time. Right now. Granted, winter's been easy, knock on wood, so far. Um, but do you know if they have adequate shelter? A lot of coaches have never been to their players' homes. They don't know where they live. They don't know what kind of house they live in. But do you know, does your player have heat? Do you know if your player has blankets, if they don't have heat? Do you know about their clothing? I see so many coaches say, 
they they get so excited about picking out shooter shirts or shoes or even making sure that they're all wearing the same kind of socks. Well, how is your player going to do that? How are your parents of your players going to do that? Your kids may be dressed to the nines. And you just assume. But do you know whether they have an older brother or sister that that's hemming down from? Do you know are they getting that from consignment shops? Do you know if they're getting that from yard sales? Do you know that what exactly is going on? And then the thing that I think that we as coaches see but don't really get involved in is the sleep aspect. Um, I know a lot of us think, oh, it's because they stay up all hours of the night, they don't go to bed. Um, it's real interesting when um, – a kid walks in to practice, and you say, well, you look sleepy. Did you not get enough sleep last night? They say, no, I was up late. And then I hear coaches all the time start making fun. Oh, you need to go to bed early. You need to do this. You... No, 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 no. You need to ask the very next question. Why? Why were you up late? And a lot of times, what they say doesn't give you the answer. It's what they look like. They'll give you a look. I know that from being in Child Protective Services. Some kids, yes, they're up all night playing video games. But you know what? There's some kids up all night because mom and dad are fighting. You know, mom or dad has come home drunk, has come home high on pills, uh, they're staggering around. The other one is trying to get them in bed or trying to get them some deed or trying to get them to sit down. And a, a fight ensues. And our players woke up and doesn't maybe go, go out there or whatever, but they're laying in their bed wondering. And so I think you need to sit down and actually assess your players and do they have these kind of needs. I mean, I can remember um, being an assistant coach on a team and before every practice there were oranges and apples cut up and Gatorade or water, or some kind of juice, or something like that, available before every practice in our locker room. And different parents did that. They, they, you know, we had a boosters, and and different parents were in charge of doing that every single day. And you know, as a a twenty year old learning how to coach as an assistant coach. I was asking, what's up with this, you know? 
And they told me, number one, we've got a kid that a lot of times gets cramps. So having bananas, oranges, apples helps them not get cramps and it doesn't draw attention to them. Looks like we're singling them out. But then, you know, the head coach took me aside and said, we've also got two players that don't have a lot to eat. And this is, we're we're wanting to build them up before practice. And, of course, there's going to be leftovers, and they're going to be able to eat it after practice or take it home or whatever. And I guess that was drilled into me that a lot of times we do not assess that situation. Um, do they have what they need? And then I hear people in the community, parents, coaches, oh, they don't have a lot or, you know, sometimes I worry about them. And I want to shake them and say, well, then what are you doing about it? Um, You know, I I got told about a situation one time, and I did something about it, and the person who told me about it said, why'd you go and do that for her? Well, because she told me they needed help. Well, I didn't mean for you to, to go make a big deal out of it. I didn't, but I helped fix the problem. And so a lot of people may know what the problem is, but they don't want to fix it. Remember, your kid or your player, if they're at that level, if there's something wrong at that level, they can't jump up to level two. Well, let's break down level two. Level two is safety. It's personal security, it's health, and it's having a predictable environment. It's them feeling safe. Well, a lot of our kids nowadays don't don't feel safe. Yes, some of them feel safe coming to the gym, to the track, to the football field, to the softball, baseball field, soccer field, volleyball court, whatever. But do they nowadays? Yes, I paused on purpose because I wanted you to think about that. Do your players, do your kids truly feel safe? Coming to your practice with COVID-19. Because, see, that's changed everything. Things are not normal. Guys, they hear about it. No, they may not sit down and watch the news. No, they're not probably reading research papers on it. But guess what? You've got some of your players that's parents or, or nurses or doctors or or uh, EMTs or whatever, and they're hearing stories about it. There are people in our communities that are dying from it. They're seeing athletes coming down with it 
and having issues with it. They're also seeing people, younger people, get it, have it, and then finding out later that they it compounds another problem that they may have had before. Such they didn't know that they had asthma, they get COVID-19, it exasperates their asthma. So, are you doing everything that you can do to meet this safety need? As far as their health, as far as them being, and a lot of people are like, ah, my players don't even think about it. Yeah, they do. Yeah, um... Actually, they really do. And actually, they probably talk to each other about it. So you ignoring it makes you look crazy. But the thing is, you need to make them aware, hey, I know this is going on. If you get scared, if we're doing something that you feel is unsafe, we're um, doing something that Maybe you've heard from your aunt that's a nurse we shouldn't be doing. Then come talk to me about it. They should be able to have that kind of relationship. And then, guys, I think the one that we have the most problems with at this level is having a predictable environment. You can't have them feel safe if you don't have a predictable way of doing things. If you are a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants person, don't do that to the kids. Because what you do is create fear and anxiety in them because they... Don't have anything to stand on. And I think that being predictable, a lot of people say, is being boring. That may be true, but being predictable also means usually you're being safe. They can trust you. They can lean on you. They know what's going on. They know the routine. They know that you stay after practice for a half an hour, making sure that everybody has a ride home and that they can stay after and go um, in the bleachers of the football field or the bleachers of the basketball court or the bleachers of the softball baseball field or whatever, and they can talk to you. That if they need a ride home, that you're waiting around and they can wait till everybody leaves and say, hey, I need a ride home or whatever. By being predictable and knowing that they can count on you is part of being the safety. But see, everyone wants to jump to level three. Level three is love and belonging. And it seems like about, I don't know, 
15, 20 years ago, that became the catchphrase for all teams. It started, obviously, in the professional ranks. It went down to college. Well, it probably actually started in college, went to the professional, and now it's went to high school. And then high school, it has trickled down to middle school and midget league or travel ball, club ball, whatever you're using. And I hear so many coaches using this. Um, Like I said, I've been hearing it about 15, 20 years about how we're all going to be friends. It's about friendship, about family, about having a sense of connection, all of that. And I even see it on uh, different team shirts that, you know, we're family or, or, you know, we're all friends or we're connected in some manner or whatever. Well, level three is a great place to be when you're a team. You know, it can be a special place to be. It's where bonds are created. It's where friendships are created. I I know um, a group of guys that I met, they were eighth graders, I believe, at the time. They were part of my very first track team. They ended up... Um, their junior years winning the state championship and I just happened to be lucky enough to be their assistant basketball coach. But I met these guys in eighth grade and luckily some of them were on level one. Some of them were on level two. But by their junior years, level one and level two had kind of been fixed either by school, by parents, by community, by whatever, circumstances. And they, as a team, were able to be at level three. And it was a special thing. And it's been over 20 years, and those guys still have that bond. A lot of them are still friends. Um... I can still go to games, and they set together. Um, they keep in contact. I'll say, have you heard from such and such who lives in a completely different state, and they know all about him. They may not have seen him in two years, but, you know, they've texted or they've called each other or, or whatever because they've reached that level three. Guys, I or coaches or parents or even players guys reaching that level three is really special but you preaching it without even wondering or trying to take care of level one and two it's like you're dreaming if you know You've got a star player who's not getting any sleep because they're struggling with their homework. Um, they're staying up to 2 o'clock in the morning doing homework or their parents are fighting. You've got another player who um, grandmother has COVID. 
they're in the hospital, they're worried about him passing away. You've got another player that um, maybe is worried about how are they going to afford the shooter shirt that everybody's talking about on your basketball team. And then you've got another player that's um, worried about, you know, if their heat's going to get turned off at the end of the month and if they're going to have enough blankets and they're going to be warm enough. And I've just gave you four players, and you may have a team of 12. You may have a team of 30. You may have a team of 50, whatever. Guys, until you get those four issues, you can talk level three. We're going to be a family. We're going to bond. We're going to all be friends. You guys can sit in a circle and put your arms around each other and sing Kumbaya all you want. It's not going to happen. And you're not going to magically make it happen by yakking about it. Because those players that are having this problem here or that problem there, they can't get to your level three of Kumbaya because they're down in the weeds, basically. So that's the thing you need to be concentrating on. Assessing and getting to know your players. I hear so many coaches say, this is my time. And we're only going to do volleyball during this time. We're only going to talk about soccer during this time. We're only going to talk about hurdles during this time. You know what? That's all well and good. And if that's how you want to be, that's great. I don't want my kid playing for you. Because you're not a person that I really want in my kid's life. Because all you care about is your record as a coach, probably. You probably don't care whether my kid gets better as a person or my kid gets better as a player. And so I don't really want you around my kid. I want role models for my kid. I want people I can trust around my kid. I want people that actually care about my kid with my kid. And so I think some of us as coaches or parents or members in the community, we need to take a step back and say, you know, it's not all about this one sport. It's about this kid's life. And so you need to have conversations like, hey, What was school like today? What did you learn? Tell me something you learned. What are you having problems with? Yesterday you told me you had a math test. How would you do on it? And keeping up with their grades. What happened today? Oh, there was a fight today in um, the 11th grade. Who, Who was involved in that fight? Were you around in that fight? You didn't get involved, did you? Who who all had to go to the office? What's going on with home? 
tell me something you did when you went home last night. You need to show them you care about more than they can block the guy in front of them. That they can turn a double play. And if that's not what you want to listen to for, we're now in 32 minutes and I'm getting ready to end this. But if this isn't something that you want to listen to for 15 to 30 minutes when I put these out, guys, you you uh, need to unsubscribe. I mean, I'm not going to beg you to continue to listen or anything like that because that's what these are going to be like. Um, I can tell you, I think the next one that I'm going to be doing is I've been getting into Brian uh, Knight and it's going to be about mental stuff and technical skills and what the difference is and stuff and how you can do that. Um, I'm going to be doing one on body language coming up. So that's the thing. If you don't want to hear this, then unsubscribe. But if you do, I hope that you like them. I hope that you share them with anyone, whether they be coaches, players, parents, people in the community, people that just want to learn about different stuff, uh, people that are interested in stuff. I hope that you share this with them and that you continue to listen. If you guys have any questions, comments, problems, protests, anything like that, write me at wvovertime at gmail.com. Or you guys can always hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at wvovertime. And I will be more than happy to talk to you about this or any other subject. Um, I look forward to talking to you guys real soon, and I'll see you down the road.